My name is Gurinder Singh. I am the host of this podcast. Uh, as you can see that this is a kind of a special podcast, not only because of the topic and not only because of the guests that are joining me this on this one, but also because of the timing. Um, as you can see that we just released our, our episode over about the CARE program not too long ago, and we're, we're shortly after releasing this as well. Um, the reasoning for that is because we this episode is going to be highlighting LILCAR 2022, which is our collegiate conference that we had um, at the time of recording this a week ago now. And, you know, I wanted to try to get those conversations back before, you know, we get too away from them in terms of timing. And on top of I wanted to release this episode so it's still fresh from what we talked about, you know, not too long ago. But like always, um, thank you for everyone that's showing support on all platforms. Um, if you don't know already, if you're only watching us on one platform, you can find us on YouTube. That's where the video part of it, this um, podcast is. So if you want to see the faces of our guests and know their names, um, I'll let them introduce themselves here in a second. But um, if you want to see the video version, it's on YouTube. If you want to just watch the audio or hear the, listen to the audio version, you can find it on Spotify, um, Apple, and Google. Um, just look up Chikara Movement and then podcast or Chikara Movement Chronicles. Uh, we did have we did drop a letter, and it's no longer the JMC Chronicles. Um, just a little bit of rebranding we're doing going forward. Um, but without further ado, I'll let um, our guests introduce themselves, uh, starting with Mokum, if you want to introduce yourself, just, you know, where you're from and your name, what you're up to these days, that sort of stuff. Definitely. Vaigurjika Khalsa, Vaigurjiki Fateh, everybody. I'm so happy to be here um, and and get the chance to talk about my experience at Lokar. Uh, my name is Mokum Singh, as Gurinder mentioned. Um, I'm going to be a junior at Indiana University um, studying economics and minoring in history. Um, I'm originally from the Bay Area, California, uh, more specifically like the East Bay Area, closer to San Ramon, Danville, Dublin, um, that area. And um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Uh, this summer, I am taking some classes and I'm also working at uh, a startup as well as consulting with another. So just a pretty busy summer, but was, was really happy to be able to go to Lokar and you know learn a lot about Core Voices and meet some really cool new people. Um, and I'm excited to share about it today. Perfect. And uh, I'm ready to, you're, this is your second time being on the podcast, but, uh, you know, for those who didn't catch the episode before, if you want to introduce yourself again in this episode. Yeah, everyone. Um, first off, thank you, Grinder, for holding this space and allowing all of us to come together and continue the conversations we had last weekend, I think. Um, and thank you again for having me back on the podcast. My name is Amrit. I'm currently a second year political science student at San Jose. I'm also originally from the Bay Area. Um, and this summer, I am trying to take it easy. I had a very busy year with a lot of projects. Uh, but this summer, I'm going to start working on some exciting projects for next year that are actually also with the Jakarta movement. Awesome. And Thank you to both of you guys for taking time out of your busy schedules. I know we had a, you know, all yesterday I was, you know, messaging everyone about figuring out a time that works for everyone. Um, it gets stressful very quickly. And, you know, for me, it's, it's trying to balance everybody. I try to accommodate for everyone. So it was, it was a bit much 
but I was, I'm thankful enough that, you know, we figured out a time that worked for at least some people to do it today. And um, that's also, so for this beginning part, it will be Malcolm and Amrit with me. And then um, halfway through, it will jump cut to myself again, but with a different batch of uh, guests. And so, but the theme of the episode will still be the same. It will be recapping the little car. I will be with other Lukar uh, participants in the second half. But um, I just want to say that Lukar is our collegiate conference. Like I said before, Jakarta Movement uh, puts on this uh, yearly conference where there's um, it's cycled between five themes in terms of like what the weekend um, encompasses. Uh, this year's was Gore Voices. Um, how do we kind of center our cores to the center? How do we empower our cores in our community? How do we, you know, take space, but also make space um, that goes for, you know, sings and cores both. And, you know, how do you, and then for the things, it was a, you know, kind of a, how to be an ally, um, learning those, you know, hearing stories from what cores have to go through and kind of like realizing those things and trying to see like, okay, where, where's there's, spots where I can step in, where there's times where, you know, I can, you know, be an ally, where I can be somewhere where, you know, I can help things going forward and not just be like somebody, because if you're just standing on the side, you're just as bad as somebody that, you know, physically or like it's, it's already in those spaces, you know, mainly like the one example that we kept going over on the weekend was like Twitter, you know, Twitter is something where a lot of, a lot of people think that, just because of hiding behind a like, you know, a fake account or whatever that gives them the liberties to, you know, go after anyone and everyone, especially the cores and in the Punjabi community. Um, but we'll dive much more into that. That will be our content side of the weekend. But, you know, going back in terms of Lokar in, in general, uh, Mokom, if you want to just, you know, how did you hear about Lokar? How did you get to like, basically, how did you get to coming to Lokar? Like, did you, were you told by somebody? Did somebody ask you to come? Yeah, um, that's a little bit of a funny story, actually. So uh, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the people that I mostly hung out there were uh, two of my friends, Teja and Jujar, who were from Seattle. And so I actually, being from California, I had, I, growing up here my whole life, I'd never had any idea that Lokar was a thing. Um, and then one day Teja texted me from Seattle and he said, hey, you know, there's this there's this conference called Lokar that Jakarta, the Jakarta does in UC Davis. We should go. And I was like, what? Uh, how, have I, how have I not found out about this? Um, like, how, how have I not known about this? I'm always on the lookout for, like, new camps and new opportunities to meet um, young six. So did some research, found out it was really cool, found out I, I knew a bunch of people that uh, that go there every year as well. Um, so decided to sign up and, and decided to go. So uh, it wasn't actually me who found out. I was just told by one of my friends and um, probably should have known about it before, but I didn't for whatever reason. <laughs> no, that's actually, sorry, I didn't I, see like that. See, the, for me, it was because I was a part of um, our SHSS, which is our high school campus uh, uh, clubs here um, through Jakarta. And so that's why I've always been in the loop about like what little car is. This actually, this past Lokar was my fourth Lokar overall. I went to two as a participant in 18, 19, and then 2020, I was, um, I think it was 2020, or I think, yeah, I I was a part of one that was online as well, but it was so, it was just, I was so glad to be back in person because I feel like those spaces are kind of underrated, especially in like in person, you kind of, 
get to know these stories and you get to hear what uh, everybody's perspectives. I mean, I was a facilitator and for those who don't know what a facilitator is. So um, we, as a in, like the large group, we have main lectures and a main room where everybody is, but we also get bra- broken off into smaller groups where like a groups of like, you know, 10, 10 people um, where there's workshops and, you know, deeper conversations and allows some people to kind of open up a little bit more um and Amrith I'm just going to pose the same question to you as well like how did you hear about Lothgar I know that you were part of SHSS so I I think I kind of know how but if you don't mind you know sharing a little bit about that yeah uh my answer is very similar to yours I was a part of SHSS and I attended the Nishan conferences and I just uh Rodney told me that registration was open so I signed up that's kind of how I ended up there but yeah we love we love our community organizers, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, so you know, I'm just going back to you. You know, you were a part of Nishan, and you know, what differences do you think there is between Nishan, which is our high school, the high school conference, and then this being our collegiate Lokar, being the collegiate conference as well, being at both. I was able to attend one in person Nishan, and one was online. So I definitely relate to how those two spaces were very different. Personally, as a participant at the online Nishan, it was kind of just like, oh my God, when is this going to end? But, you know, it was it was great content, but still just being in front of a screen for like that long. Um, I think the conversations we had at Lil God were a lot more in depth than they were at Nishan. They definitely stayed with me a lot longer. They were a lot more applicable to the stuff I was already doing, the stuff I was studying. Um, overall, I think the base of being in the God, it kind of felt like everyone was here for a purpose. And that purpose was how do we center God voices rather than at Nishan, at least me or the people I hung out with, it was kind of more like, oh, we get together with our friends once a year and we kind of hang out, we kind of learn some stuff. But it also felt like the conversation was a lot more centered than Nishan was. Nishan oftentimes I felt was just kind of like a mosh boss, like surface level of a bunch of different topics. And then the God was really the entire group centering one conversation and one topic and figuring out multiple different perspectives and solutions that exist. Yeah, and uh, welcome you being like a first like time in this space. How is it for you just not only, you know, just being in the car, but also being in this space that Jakarta holds, um, which is truly special in my eyes, but I'll let you share a little bit about your experiences of being a first time in those spaces. Um, It was definitely nerve-wracking because at times it felt like I had nothing to add to the conversation, but I feel like if Jakarta was, and the facilitators, who shout out to you all, were were able to create a safe space where even if you felt like you had nothing to add or you were just kind of reiterating points, everyone had the opportunity and was given the chance to speak out and voice their opinions or their concerns. But um, again, drastically different focal point than Nishan and Lilgad. And you, Mokum? Um, You know, I, I, it was quite an experience because I remember when I first, uh, when we first walked in, I think the first word that was used was, we want this to be a safe space. And that's something that I've heard said, and I, I can't even tell you how many different places I've heard the word safe space used. And, and honestly, it's just become something that's desensitized. You know, like everyone says the word safe space. Oh, yeah. What does that really even mean? Um, so I, it was kind of corny to me at first. I was like, ah, this is a safe space, you know, just like every other safe space that we're going to, I've been a part of. 
Um, but then throughout the weekend, I found myself like, you know, actually, sh you know, wanting to share things that um, I normally would never share to a sick audience about my my journey, um, about the things that I struggle with, about the things that some of the things that I've gone through. Um, and, and it was just interesting to reflect on that after the weekend, because actually, you know, bearing the brunt of what I say, what that safe space really was. So um, it, it definitely instilled in, in our in, in human ability to build the safe space when necessary and kind of re-showed me why that's so important to build. Um, because, you know, we want people to be comfortable sharing the things that they've gone through so that other people can relate to it and, and give them advice and, and, you know, just build build community with one another. So um, great, great for me in that regard, for sure. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that you brought up, like, you know, the safe space. Those are words. And, like, you know, sometimes just saying those words are enough to kind of convey safe space. But it's like, what do you, what is like, what is the environment? Like, how do you set up the environment to be actually feel like it's a safe environment? You know, in facilitator groups, how are your facilitators creating this, you know, safe environment, this closed, you know, environment where you feel comfortable to share things that you won't, you know, normally share. I know for me, it was a big struggle for me as a participant, you know, a couple of years ago was to speak kind of personally, like about personal stories, just because I was like, I don't know these strangers that are also in the, like these, some of these people are meeting for the first time in this group. And I don't know if they're going to, you know, what are they going to say? Like, are they going to take my stories and like, you know, go make fun of them or go tell people, but it's just like, you know, that you, once you're in those spaces, you kind of have this, this sense of trust. And I always felt like that from the beginning, um, right off the bat after like my first, you know, conference that I went to was that there's this already like ground level sense of security. Like I had this, like, for me, it was like, I was secured, like nothing I knew was, I was going to be like used against me or anything in that aspect. So for me, I was like always, I, I try to do that as a facilitator now is like, you know, how can I convey to all those that are in my group that, you know, you're in a safe space, you're in this space where you can share whatever and anything you want. Um, but we'll go kind of now deeper into like the content side of things in Logar because we were, um, you know, we did mention core voices and and I kind of gave a little bit what uh, that also means, but for Amrit, for you, you know, what was one of your biggest takeaways from like the content? Was it something from your workshop or, you know, one of your workshops that you had in the facilitator group? Was it something from like the main lecture? Like what stood up to you the most from like the content side of things that weekend? Um, one of the things that stood out to me the most was definitely Dr. Amrit's presentation. I loved learning more about the Gather Party and everything that it was. And, you know, the woman, which, if I recall correctly, Gulab God and Pritar got along, right? Um, their influential role in the party and how they continued organizing and how they stood up to gender roles during that time and how they just created this legacy of what it means to be a Sikh woman. And interesting how their story was kind of constantly erased or like it wasn't as highlighted that was one of the highlights for me but overall I think my biggest takeaway was hearing the stories that were being told during workshops or even during main lecture towards the end of the conference um 
you know, you kind of, uh, you hear these stories all the time, like when I'm talking with my friends or when I'm talking with other women in my family, but to hear them from people I kind of spent only a couple of days from and to realize really how deep of a problem it is. Um, it was definitely interesting, especially the social media ones, like being stalked while you're going to school or being followed. It was just kind of putting stuff into perspective because a lot of times all these words, when you're covering so much information in such a short period of times, they all just kind of conflict with one another and they're all just words and we never really think about it again, how you were saying, but to be able to actually see people stand up and be able to tell their stories, it really kind of put everything into perspective and everything we've been hearing it kind of humanized those stories like yeah we can talk about how like every woman faces it but at the end of the day it doesn't matter who you ask every single woman you've ever probably encountered has horrific stories of what's happened to them and how the patriarchy has affected them so I think that was my biggest takeaway yeah and you know thank you for sharing about that and there was so much like you you mentioned there's so much content to pack into one weekend especially because we only have actually two days where there's like actual content happening for two days and like the rest of the time we're kind of it's like Friday or like the, the first day is usually everybody getting to you know wherever we're meeting for the weekend and then the two middle days this year was Saturday and Sunday or content days and the last day is usually focused on like wrapping things up and basically you know moving on but um, Malcolm, I also want to pose the same thing to you. Like, what was your biggest takeaway from, you know, the, the content overall? It can be from like the main lecture, it could be from the a workshop that kind of stood out to you the most. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say there were there were two main things that stood out to me um, from this year. The first one was something that didn't have anything to do with core voices, actually. Um, <laughs> So I, you know, I go to Indiana, like I said, and I'm part of a club in Indiana called TEDx Indiana University. Um, and that's basically a, a TED affiliated organization. And every year we put on a conference where we invite speakers from around the world to come give TED talks. Um, and so my, our TED conference for 2022, uh, which is the first in-person one, I think in two or three years, my first year with the organization um, was, uh, it was in March. So it was in early March and I was a curator with TEDx IU. Um, I'm now the director of curation, but back then I was a curator and uh, that my job was to find a speaker and basically bring them to IU, help them curate a TED talk and, and uh, bring their story to IU basically. And so throughout that entire process, I was really, really um, trying to find a speaker that I resonated with. I talked to probably, you know, tens of different people, found people that were really cool, um, found people that weren't so cool, you know, um, but and, and it took a while to kind of figure out who I, who I really connected with. But I ended up having a, a conversation with a woman from India named Navkiran, um, who I was connected with through someone else. And, you know, me and Navkiran had an amazing conversation. The first time we ever talked on the phone, we talked for like an hour. And it was in uh, like this January or November or December of 2021. And so, you know, after I heard her story and heard her ability to talk and, and captivate an audience, um, I, you know, I, I knew that she'd be the right person for the talk. So. For the next couple months, we, we curated the TED Talk together. Um, and, and in March, she actually came out to IU and gave that TED Talk, which will now be available for like public consumption pretty soon. Um, as you know, our, as we go, we, we cut through all the yellow tape of, of posting a TED Talk online. Um, but my, my point in saying that is that, you know, one of the speakers at Jakarta was Navkaran Nutt, who was the speaker, who was my TED speaker. And, um, you know, I remember after she left TEDx uh, IU, after she left Indiana, 
she went on like a tour and she went to very many, you know, she went all over the country giving speeches and talks about her experience with the farmers protest. And I think that Nandeep Singh had said she, he found out about her at a talk she did at, a, at UCLA or something like that. And I remember thinking like, wow, you know, one little effort, uh, one little conversation like that, you know, me talking to her all, you know, so long ago can have this, you know, trickle down effect where she does conversations all over the country. And now she's speaking to me again, you know, in June, three months later, um, because she came here, you know, for, for a TED talk at IU. So it was just crazy to think about that trickle down effect um, of, of one little action, one little conversation on the phone, one little connection, the effect that that can really have on people. Um, that same trickle down effect, I definitely felt with the theme of core voices too. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about the stories that we heard, and there's one story I want to share in particular that really um, kind of made my heart drop. That when I heard it, um, someone you know in the in the big group told a story about when they were 19 and their brother died. Their brother was two years older than them, um, and their brother died. And so she you know she came in into the house and she found out that her brother had died. Um, and she was grieving. She was very sad and, you know, she's grieving it. And two minutes later, you know, when her family showed up to come grieve with them, her dad told her to get in the kitchen and like make jaw um, after her brother had just died and she was grieving. And when I heard that, you know, I think I was, uh, sorry about that. I think I was on my phone, like, you know, uh, sending a text or something. But when I heard that, like, you know, I stopped sending my text and I kind of just like thought about it for a couple minutes. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is a bigger issue than I realized. Because I grew up, you know, in a household where a lot of these issues weren't present um, in the same way that they are with many of the people at the conference because my parents uh, were born here. They grew up here. Um, and so, you know, their customs are a little bit different. But hearing that was really striking to me because I was like, wow, that, that's really messed up and that shouldn't be happening, you know? Um, and so going back to that trickle-down effect, like, hearing one story like that at one conference, it just takes one person to have ha, to, to realize that this is an issue, have a passion about it, have a vision and execute something that, you know, helps change, change what women go through. Um, it just takes one person with one vision. And so uh, I would say those two things and then an overarching theme from those two things is just the fact that like, it really just takes one person with a vision and an ability to execute to make some really, really cool things happen. I know that was a really long answer, but... <laughs> no, it, that's exactly, you know, I, I agree, you know, the story, I, I think it was about a little bit, the person was sharing, I forget their name, but um, they had shared that it was their, I think that their father had told their mom to go make job. I just, I, I think that was the, the full story. And then she kind of took offense to that because think I, I think that was kind of the story I don't you know if that person's watching I you know I don't we don't mean any disrespect to by you know miss miss telling the story but I think what you're trying to say is like very powerful and you know the the, the thing that it only takes one person to kind of step in and be like hey like this or just takes one person to you know to kind of make a change or even start a change right starting something is is just as good as you know being there when it's something's happening um, and I think that is, is very crucial. And that's something that like, a lot of people do take away from uh, these conferences, not just Lugar, but also Nishan, which is the high school conference that you yourself is enough to, to start change. Like you don't need, you don't need like an entire, you know, um, you don't need an entire group or, you know, entire section of people behind you. Right. Um, 
but I, I just wanted to go a little bit next into talking about like inspirations. And this is something from our workshops that we did. I think it was workshop one. Um, but talking about, you know, inspirations, who are somebody that like, you know, inspires you, um, we can start with you. That is like a core, like what's your core inspiration? So who did you say in your workshop? Um, so I actually said Navkar Nat <laughs> as my inspiration, but I'm going to choose someone else. Um, I think that, you know, you know, I, I've had, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of core inspirations. Um, I would say that, you know, for me, my dadiji really stands out. She passed away when I was uh, 11 years old, but she stood out to me because she was, she just loved to sing. Um, and I'm a tabla player. I'm a musician at heart. And, you know, whenever I play tabla, um, it's not that I think of her every time I play tabla, but that musical um, itch within me, you know, if, if I haven't played tabla in a couple months because I'm very busy in whatever work I'm doing, right? There's always like a gravitation in me to, work, to get back to that. Um, and, you know, that just comes from hearing my dadiji sing all the time uh, when I was young. That comes from hearing my mom singing all the time. Um, so I really credit that musical itch that I have, which is, you know, an integral part of who I am to uh, the women figures in my life, for sure. And, and, and by the I'm way, sorry, I had, last thing to say, no it, worries. Wasn't, it wasn't the male people in my life who would drive me two hours on a Monday every week to tabla class all throughout high school. You know, it was always, it was always my mom. Uh, it was always, you know, maybe a friend's mom um, who drove me. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. And it was actually something I wanted to point out was like, you know, in my group that I had in my facilitator group, um, a lot of the, at, I think out of nine folks, seven of them, seven of them had a inspiration that was like related to them. And that was kind of something that, you know, we wanted to see as a facilitator group and as a pair, uh, me and my co-facilitator was like, how many folks like will name their, their family, which it has like, it's not a bad thing. We're not like trying to make it to where like, it sounds like a bad thing, but we just wanted to see like how many folks can actually outside of just their like relatives kind of see like who can inspire, inspire them. Right. Um, and that doesn't put any pressure on you, Amrit, if you're, you know, if you're, if I was going to ask you right now, like, who's like, who's a core inspiration for you? Um, that doesn't mean you have to kind of like now on the spot, think of somebody that's not related to you. But, you know, that was something that like, it was something that was very apparent to us in our group. But um, Amrit, you know, who's a core inspiration that you, you know, you can say the one that you shared in your group or, you, you know, come up with another one now. But um, yeah, who inspires you? Yeah, um, my facilitator group actually didn't do this exercise. Oh. So yeah, I uh, don't know what happened there, but um, I was gonna say someone from my family, but um, okay. Uh, I definitely can second your point though. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times we we don't really make an effort to educate ourselves about influential gods in our calm or outside of our community, but uh, I'll share more about who I was gonna talk about for my inspiration. Um, so I would, there's a lot of strong women in my life, thankfully, you know, my, like Mokum had said, my family, patriarchal issues, of course, they're, 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 they're prevalent, but they're not as prevalent, um, just because my mother was raised here, my father immigrated here very, um, very young, but the kind of the starting point, I guess you would say, of the strong woman in our family was my BB, who had recently, who recently passed away, but she was, um, she was 
married off to her husband, you know, didn't have kids for a very long time. There was, you know, back then like, oh, just marry her husband off. And she kind of stood her ground and she was always very adamant that, you know, I'm going to have kids or whatever. And she upheld 12 years of abuse and, you know, um, emotional torment. Um, thankfully, she did have kids. And even those kids, she raised her daughters to be very strong. Um, all three of her daughters are educated. They're all college graduates. Back when in India, this was not something that was known. But even now, she made a huge push that all the women in our family need to be educated, um, which is, you know, how kind of usually the men are educated, the women are. It's actually the opposite in my family, not to speak down on the men. But um, most of the women in my family are very educated, have postgrad uh, degrees even. Um, and she just kind of instilled this thing that, you know, you're more than your husband, you're more than your father, you're more than your kids, like you're something in the community, you need to do something with that. She was in India during 1984. Um, she, her house was often um, considered a safe haven for the Khatgus, and she was just this motherly figure for them who would care for them, care for their clothes, make sure they were, uh, they make sure they were fed. And even in the States, she would speak at protests, and she was always active and I think she's one of my main inspirations when it comes to being politically involved and doing something that's larger than yourself doing something that's larger than your family and just seeing how her influence way back then kind of passed down to the rest of the women in my family and how it's passing down to me and how it's passing down to my younger cousins I think she's probably one of the biggest influences I have in my life but there's plenty others um even outside, um, I think actually one of my main influences was Mata Galapkar, which we talked about um, during the conference. Um, just her story, how she was able to leave her family and she made the decision that, you know, I need to do something for my gom that's bigger than who I am and just the people I'm related to. So I think women that share those stories is also what instilled the need to be politically involved in my community. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And for me as well, I, I mean, even though I had said that, you know, try to think somebody outside of the box, you know, somebody that's not related to us. Um, my biggest inspiration um, or core inspiration was my grandma as well. And th there's a couple of reasons why it was because, you know, I never had, I never had the chance to kind of meet and know my mom's side of, um, uh, my like her parents so you know my other grand set of grandparents I only had said I only had my dad's side and so you know that by itself made me very connected with them and so and having her and she was I was we were lucky enough to spend some time with her here in America she came and lived here for a while uh, for a couple of years and so much she she just inspired me just because of you know the way she she held herself together through so many tough times and all the stories that she had shared. And, you know, those, those stories are not easy to listen to, you know, um, especially during, you know, 1984, the leading up to 1984 and the years after as well, like the amount of, you know, stress and pressure that they had to go through is insane. It's insane. And it just, you know, hearing stories from there and seeing how, you know, she kind of um, dealt with those things and kind of, you know, how she not only herself kept herself together, but also kept like the entire family together. Um, just, you know, speaks so much about like how um, 
how gores and our families are usually the rocks of our family. Like I mentioned that, like for myself, like my family, my mom is the, like the rock that holds all of us together as the entire family. So it's always, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I wanted to kind of get away from, but the education part is, is something that, you know, Amrithi touched upon and which is something that I also want to talk about a little bit is like, the education, like I went to Punjabi school, you know, for a couple of years as a kid. And I, I, I didn't really learn about any, you know, Shahid, like Shahid Bibia. It was usually about, you know, the sings, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, let me just preference that before somebody wants to, you know, <laughs> clip this up and send this somewhere. There's nothing wrong with that. But also you have to make space. This is something that, you know, it was a highlight at Lalakar as well, was you have to make space for those conversations. All right. Um, sorry for the jump cut there. We it's <laughs> like so we had a, a just a preference, you know, before we keep moving on. Um, before we started here, um, I usually use an account, <laughs> one of the community organizers for Jakarta's account because they have upgraded to pro. So I have a loaded meeting. Um, but unfortunately, they got busy with some stuff, so we weren't able to get onto that account. And I didn't want to, you know, keep you guys waiting for. Did I did I drop for you guys as well? Yeah, but you're back now. Okay, cool. I'm just gonna gonna have to restart from there as well. Um, that was, yeah. It said that I had left for some reason. I was like, okay. Um, let's see. Let me see if there's there's a reason why that's happening. Do you want to stop the recording so you don't have to edit all this? All right. Um, so I think I've, I've dropped out twice now, but um, I just wanted to just say that, you know, Zoom, we do these on Zoom. So when Zoom drops out, unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about it. But um, from what I was what I was going on about before, it was like, you know, my inspiration and not being family related. Um, but we can talk a little bit now about the educational side of things. Um, for Amrit, for you, you know, you already brought it up a little bit, but like the like challenging, you know, patriarchy, what is that like? I, I'm hoping your facilitators kind of went over this question because this was actually something that we were supposed to do. But like, you know, have you ever experienced it yourself? Have you ever seen it happen? And have you ever challenged it or you ever thought about challenging it? Like, you know, just kind of thinking about those, those type of things. Yeah. Um... My facilitators did talk about this, but um, I've seen the patriarchy show its colors in so many ways. In my family, you know, systematically, I think I talked about it a little bit, but um, you know how women are just not giving an equal opportunity, even if you know we get the same interviews, we're judged harshly, we're constantly taught about like, oh, she's going to get pregnant, she's going to drop us for nine months, why hire her kind of thing, you know, so I've seen it affect so many lives um, in small ways, in huge ways as well, but I, some ways I challenge it is, at least in my home, I try to start the conversation about women's rights and how the patriarchy affects all of us and how it's not just you know this just because women can also work or you allow them to work whatever that means that does not mean that you challenge the patriarchy or that the patriarchy doesn't exist anymore um talking about these issues and also at least 
for my family, it seems like sometimes when I'm talking, I'm just kind of glossed over like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Or, you know, she talks back or whatever. So I'm trying to take a stand, doing it myself, just kind of having to get over the pressure of, you know, what would people say or what's the consequences going to be and just being like, I need to stand my ground, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. Uh, Community-wise, though, I've held a lot of these spaces when I was a part of SHSS or even I'm trying to in JMC talking about you know beauty standards what those are how those affect women talking about women's rights um, having uh, I started this thing called learning circles that's basically where once a month we get together we pick a topic we talk about it we had a couple on like intersectional feminism what that means which is a huge thing right it's something unique about the patriarchy and its issues that it's not just about the fact that we're women it's about the fact that we're women of color, or it's about the fact that we live in low-income societies. Like even comparing the experiences in America alone, like my experience as a woman of color is very different than a black um, woman has in America. Uh, recognizing that privilege that exists within me and also the discrimination I face. But challenging the patriarchy in other ways, I try to join movements. I try to you know, support other, women that are doing similar work, joining their organizations, or, and also sometimes no one's really gonna allow you to enter into that space. Um, you kind of have to force your way into it, or like you were talking about making space. Like for example, with Napoleana Bulange, it's, we tried to get um, Sings involved. Um, it just, it didn't work out. So we're, we're an entire team just made up of five cars from across California and that kind of just, you need to make that space. No one's gonna give it to you. No one's gonna allow you to enter into their space. So just kind of forcing your way in. And like I was talking about holding your ground, not just not wavering in who you are and what your values are. Did I answer every part of the question? Yeah, no, <laughs> no you, you answered, you know, I like sometimes when I answer, like ask these questions, you know, is they're just posing questions, but um, it's just, I think something that you kind of just mentioned about like, you know, the making space and not being shy from taking that space, because I sometimes feel as though even this is like, you know, in any space, this doesn't, you know, just happened about this space as well, but like, you know, in a, in a space where there's like older folks and younger folks, like this is an example that I can be, sometimes I'm hesitant to take space that's there already. Just because like I was I started thinking like I was like, oh, but will they say or, you know, I might not be, you know, old enough or, you know, up there and like respected enough to be in this space to speak. But then I'm just also be like, this space is there for me. Like I should be taking this space no matter what. But, you know, the self hesitancy, like, you know, you just mentioned is and not wavering when you see it is I think is is very key. And, you know, the other part about like not I I was as a, as a podcast host and as somebody that you know makes this happen uh, and gets to has the freedom of picking guests. Um, I had shared this at Lagar as well, but somebody had private messaged me um, on my Instagram about why do I have so many core guests like you know a woman on my on the podcast and the cores and I was and it was just I was taken away a little bit but I also just like you know took a step back and just kind of laughed at it because I was just like like what what through your mind kind of to like you know get to the point where you were typing this out this message to me right and you know and 
you thought that I was going to change and I don't don't know under I just never understood why because I was like this is the only in my knowledge this is like one of the only places that kind of gives that space uh and I proud myself on that so I'm just like why would I you know go back off of that right doesn't make sense for me to do that but uh Mokum I'm going to ask you the same uh, question it, this is kind of from our facilitator groups from Lokar but like you know any uh, is there any way parts or anywhere that you saw or you know witnessed uh patriarchy like you know in the time and did you ever challenge it did you ever think about challenging it what kind of stopped you if you, you know you thought about and you didn't um it's basically that that's basically that's the question yeah absolutely um so i you know like i said before i grew up in a household that was pretty different because my parents were born here and grew up here um, and so a lot of our, a lot of our, you know, household roles were a little bit shifted. Um, you know, people kind of did everything around my house. So it wasn't in my family too much. And, and because of that, I wasn't, I wasn't made aware of it. I heard about it on at school and I heard, I saw like women posting about it on Instagram. Um, but it was never something that really affected me directly. Um, one, one example I can't think of though, is that at IU, I'm in the business school and um, you know, the way that business works, especially these days, is people that are under underrepresented get opportunities uh, way easier than people that aren't underrepresented. So in the past, it's been, you know, uh, brown people like us who have who've been those underrepresented communities. Now there's so many of us here that we don't really count anymore um, as, as diverse. And so now there's other communities like the black community um, or Latino community and girl and women are one of those communities. Um, and so you see you know, you see uh, a lot of women getting opportunities, uh, getting these top opportunities. And, and you might think, well, how is that patriarchy? That's the opposite of patriarchy where we're fixing the system. Um, and, you know, while these women are getting these opportunities, which is great, you do hear everyone around the school being like, oh, she only got that because she's a woman. Oh, she only got into that company because she's a woman. She only got that connection because she's a woman. She wasn't, you know, she doesn't have anything else going for her. Um, you know, and, it's, and at a certain point, uh, I think that's kind of unfair because, um, you know, while she might be a woman and while that might have contributed to her getting what she got, that doesn't mean that, you know, she's she's not equipped for the job. You know, if they if she wasn't equipped for the job or wasn't ready for the task, they wouldn't have hired her. And so I think um, that's kind of an example of reverse patriarchy, where there's a system in place to help women uh, kind of elevate a little bit more. That's something that's been, you know, emphasized in the business world. But there's this perception, you know, with everyone else that not, I don't want to say everyone else, but there's this perception with a lot of other people that, oh, they're just getting it because they're a woman. Um, and so that's something that I think needs to shift if we're going to make progress, because that's just as bad as the examples that we talk about at Lokar or um, the examples that we see in our homes, in our schools, uh, in our organizations. Um, and, you know, that's something that uh, I, I, I thought about when I was at Lokar for sure. And, um, Again, thank you. And I think something um, that I want to kind of say was that I I've seen it all. I see it all the time. And and the reason why I say I see it all the time is because it's on social media, all over the place. Um, and it's you know the constant policing, the constant you know bashing on somebody, the constant you know trying to make somebody feel bad for being some certain way. Right. It's almost like 
um, some like if a, I've seen it on Twitter so many times when a core does speak out about something, right? She's immediately faced with you know backlash about like, oh, you're a woman, you can't talk about this, like, uh, and it's like how it, it would have to do with, like something that doesn't have to do with anything with gender related, anything to do with you know being a single core, like it has nothing to do with that. However, it becomes like that's where like you just want like there's this immediate you know, trigger reaction by so many, for so many people to just, you know, if they see a core, they just like immediately just be like, no, you can't speak. And I know, I, and I personally know some people that are like that, you know, like there's, there's some people that I know at my local Gordwara that I go to that are like that. And it's, it's unfortunate because those are the type of folks that will never, you know, even if you have a conversation with them, they'll never change their, like their mind because they're just so set on that being the way that things are. Um, and even if I do have, I, I had had conversations with folks like that before and it's gone nowhere. And it's just, you know, like we just go in a circle over and over and over again. And at that point, like, you know, I kind of feel like, okay, this is a waste of my time. Right. Um, but that's where we, you know, I still try my hardest to kind of, you know, take up those, like make space, and also by taking space and, you know, you can take space. That's okay. Like, you know, Mokum, you just shared, like, you know, taking space doesn't mean that you, you know, you have to be afraid to do something like, you know, it just because, you, you know, you might feel like you're like, people will say this about you or that about you. If you're equipped for it, then why are you holding yourself back? You know, you shouldn't have to like hold yourself back from yourself. Um, but moving on kind of, I just wanted to kind of, you know, pose the question of like in terms of the main lectures and you know the two lectures i i will go kind of first about this because i think the biggest thing that stood out for me was amrititi's um lecture and it's just about like how captivating it was um just not to learn about you know the gather party and their history but also to see like they were actually it was not just all you know things there were there were very crucial cores that are also a part of that and even Amrititi, even doing her lecture, she was like, some things we don't know about them because it was never documented or like they're not even in the oral history of things. Um, but I just want to ask you guys, like, you know, from the, one of the main lectures, this can even go back to just Geet, uh, Didi's lecture as well from the first day as well. Um, like from the main lectures, what stood out to you guys the most? Uh, Mokum, if you want to go first. Um, this you can pick from any lecture. You can talk about every lecture. Feel free to you know speak about anything. Yeah, um, you know the biggest thing that I took away from Amrit Banji's lecture um, actually wasn't it wasn't really having to do with gore voices much. Uh, sorry about these notifications. Let me turn on to disturb. <laughs> But um, it wasn't. It didn't have to do with core voice as much as as much as like you know reinforcing how important it is to learn history. Um, my as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm I'm a history minor, and the reason for that is because I'm just uh, I love to learn about what the what the people of the past did, because what you quickly realize is that patterns of the past always repeat themselves, and you know we hear that in like movies. We hear like um, history always repeats itself. But you don't really see that in action and realize how valuable it is to learn about that history um, until you you study it. And so, you know, when when she was presenting about the Gother Party um, and teaching us about that, you just kind of your mind goes to, 
you know, how can I, how can I incorporate some of that spirit that they had, some of those ideas that they had uh, in solving the problems of today? And, you know, I had a couple conversations with some of my friends about, you know, those very topics and, and, and it was, uh, you know, we had some good ideas for sure. Not sure kind of how many of them are going to go anywhere, but, you know, like I said, it's only one idea with one person who has a vision uh, to actually go change something. So I would say that from her, uh, it just reinforced for me how important it was for us to learn our history. Yeah. And I, I mean, I take the same takeaway as well. Um, and Amrit, what about you? And, you know, you can talk about any of, uh, any of the main lectures, you know, even, even our recap lecture at the end as well. Um, I would second your all's thoughts about how important it is to learn your history. Um, I don't remember this exact quote or who said it, but there's so many of them that talk about how a tree can't really grow without its roots. And that's just kind of what I was raised with. That's what I try to implement in my life. I try to learn as much about history as I can. And when you read history, you learn so much about the things that had done so much for their gone, which, you know, again, how you had said it, not trying to belittle those, um, I'm losing my words, not trying to belittle those stories, but you know, you never really hear about the gods to be able to sit there and listen in depth uh, about Dr. Amrit's presentation about Gartalo uh, and Gulab God. It was, it was just kind of refreshing um, to actually be able to hear the stories of all these revolutionary gods and what they had done for their calm and everything they stood for. I've had so many conversations with like, my father, who's a huge history nerd, um, he talks about the Gather Party. We've had extensive conversations about it, but you never heard about the role of women in it. And he's even admitted to me um, that for some reason, something in his brain switches off when he starts to hear about women or something. It's just kind of like he's wired to neglect any story about a woman. This was years ago. Hopefully he's changed his ways from this, but you know. Um, just it, it just kind of I think it talks about why so many like from her from her presentation I think my biggest takeaway was the fact that I'll never be able to hear so many stories about how many how many important guards were in our history and all all that they did so although it was very inspiring and it was very enlightening I think my biggest takeaway was kind of disheartening and kind of pessimistic. It was just like, there are so many guards out there who did so much for their calm, did so much for their community, and I'll never get a chance to hear their stories because someone somewhere along the line deemed that because they were a god, their stories weren't important or that they were shut down. So um, I kind of, from that, I took the initiative to hear more stories about guards or to listen about the stories that our grandparents have and especially the stories of gods about their friends and their mothers and what they were like and what they did but that was definitely my biggest takeaway from that lecture and thank you and i, I think that side that aspect of it i haven't had kind of thought about until now and you know i i just want to thank you for kind of you know bringing that up because i think that's very key as well because the lack of history is alarming. Um, I think because of the lack of history, for me, like hearing some history kind of made me happy. But also to your point of like, it's so small in comparative. And this is something I, I can share as well. And this is, I don't want to like, you know, sound mean or like being, a, but like the, the, so when we were in the presentation, 
I think the first 30-ish minutes of the presentation was talking about like the Gother Party. I think it might be a little bit more. And we were talking about the Gother Party, the history, um, and you know, all the things that were a part of and all the events. And I kind of like sitting there to myself and my thought ahead, I was like, how are we gonna connect this to the theme that we're talking about? Like, like to this um to this weekend. And um, sure enough, like as I was thinking that, like the next slide was like transitioning to it. So I, I like I was like, oh, we're transitioning to it. But I also like in terms of like the spread out of the lecture, majority of like the amount of time spent on the course was like next to nothing in comparison of like the rest of the history. Which again, it, there's multiple reasons why. Um, Amr Didi shared in the presentation itself that there was a lack of history. Um, they they haven't been able to you know obtain enough history to you know tell these stories a lot more because there isn't like there's not enough story like they they don't know enough of the story and two there's not enough of those stories out there so that's why it's not it's not because like this is how the lecture was set up this is just the reality of the situation is that there's a lacking of history and so that's why um, I'm the at that time in her lecture lecture even said like you know, if there's one thing she recommends is like, go back to your families, talk to the cores in your family, hear about their history. And so someone is there to record it. Like, you know, even orally listening to those stories, you will take, you will store those stories with you um, and take away. And so that's something I just want to also like leave us on because I, I think we've been going on for a, a bit here now. Um, and we had a couple of technical difficulties. And so, but I hope everything turns out well. And, you know, this is just part, like I said, this is going to be part one. It's a very long, this is going to be a long episode. So, you know, if you're listening till up until now, um, thank you for listening. And, you know, you can always take breaks in between listening. You don't have to sit there in, in one sitting and listen to it all. Um, this might, this episode might get very long, but I just, again, I want to thank you, both of you for joining me. Um, and taking time out of your guys' schedules um, to join and speak about your thoughts, not only about Lilikar, but also, you know, Gore Voices and also sharing, you know, some personal stuff of your own. Um, but I'll turn it to you, either of you, to if you guys, I see you guys both unmuted. So if there's anything you guys want to kind of say before, before we wrap up here, um, the floor is your guys. Um, really quickly, before we close off, I just wanted to say, um, again, stressing how you said how important it is to record our histories. Um, I am currently starting a project uh, with the Napoleana Pulange podcast, which is all about hearing and recording the stories of our elders, uh, making sure that it's recorded somewhere for future generations to listen to. Um, kind of just, I don't know if I can leave my email and like, yeah you can leave your so i'll uh, if you give it your if you just message me your email afterwards i'll yeah. link it in the description of the youtube video yeah. and then also you can say it out loud now as well so if anybody's listening they can jot it down now as well yeah um so this is just like if you're interested in joining because we're always looking for new people to help us record um and also hopefully we'll be able to release soon so just kind of looking out for that but the email is nbnb email.com and then I'll also message that to you afterwards. Um, but yeah, I just I just wanted to kind of shamelessly plug that in. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. just in case someone wanted to get more involved, because I know a lot of times we just don't know that these um, that these opportunities exist. But again, thank you, Grinder, for having me back on. 
and you know hosting these amazing spaces i think you mentioned 17 episodes that is a huge thing um you know so congratulations to you thank and again, you just thank you for hosting this space thank you and welcome if you have anything you know any wrapping up thoughts yeah um you know i also just wanted to say thank you to you and the jakara movement for putting on this amazing event um allowing us to come and meet so many new people and learn so much just uh you guys do amazing work and I'm really thankful to be a part of it. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say was, um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, we live in a system, right? The world is a system at the end of the day. Um, and breaking that system is, is really, really hard. It's not easy. Uh, you know, you, there's tons and tons of um, examples of corrupt uh, institutions and systems that exist within the world. And you know, there's tons of people who try to go and change the system, who try to revolt, who try to do everything, but it just doesn't work very often. Um, you know, the prime example of that is when Roe versus Wade was just overturned, like very, very recently. Um, that system, you know, was changed and then it changed right back. And all the protesting in the world, you know, isn't isn't really didn't didn't do much. And even if we reverse it again, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And so, you know, that sounds pessimistic, but my reason in bringing that up is rather than trying to change the system, um, the way I like to think about it is just just live outside the system, you know, um, with gores, what that means for me is, you know, if, 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 you know, since we don't do a good job of recording what gores have done in our history, gores just go trailblaze, not saying just go trailblaze, like it's easy, but you know, do something great, do something that's so great that no one can bear not to talk about it, you know, um, that's what I love about Siki in general is that the reason that it stayed alive for so long, despite having such low points is because there were, we had a community that was so passionate about it uh, because it was such a great thing, you know? And so I just think that the way that we can fight this is not by fighting the system because the system is, you know, it's never really going to get changed. Um, the way to fight it is to just beat the system, to be outside of it, um, for Gores to be leaders in, in initiatives that are, that change the world really. And I think, uh, Amrit, what you're doing with, with the podcast is really cool. I think there was an example of someone at the, um, at the, at the conference who, was, who had their own magazine as well. Um, but having, having women at the forefront of these initiatives that, are, that can really change the world, um, I think that's the way that we can, we can kind of move forward into the next generation differently. Um, and the biggest thing of that, too, is just not being afraid to do something huge, you know. Uh, there's a million reasons not to do something, but, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of just got to go do it. And so those are those are the thoughts I wanted to leave everyone with is that to beat this, we just have to do amazing things um, and support women in those positions and put them in those positions. Uh, if you're a man, you know, to be able to do go, go do those amazing things. Yeah, and 100 percent. Right. Uh, thank you for both of you guys. You know, those closing thoughts that those kind of like lead into the next, you know, the next half of this episode where we'll be joined by a whole batch of other guests. Um, but I, again, I just want to go back and say thank you to both of you uh, for joining. And Amrit, if you like, if you want to more information about the podcast that she has shared, we also have a, um, a whole episode about um, what they are doing where Amrit had joined us before and talking about a little bit about their initiative so if you want more information about that, you can go always and listen to that episode as well. Or you can always, you know, email them and, you know, directly and find out more. But like I said, 
this is just part one. I'll, th- I'll send it to my other self in the future, uh, and he'll take it from here. But um, yeah, thank you again for listening, and thank you to our guests for this first half. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I this is obviously not the same day as the previous part of the recording. Uh, I was wearing a different. Um, clothing that day uh that was also last week as well but as you can see we're joined by two new people um which i'll let them introduce themselves here in a bit but thank you for still listening to the podcast episode i know this is going to be one of our longest ones that we've ever released but i think it's very much worth it because this topic uh and little 2022 was very special and i think it deserves to be one of our longest episodes and the, the topic especially deserves to be one of our longer episodes um but yeah if you're listening to this thank you still uh and i'll let blossom if you want to introduce yourself first you know just tell the folks who you are and just let us know like you know how did you come to learn about Lilikar and how did you end up going there okay well i just wanted to say thank you first for having me on the podcast i'm blossom and i've been with jakara since my senior year of high school And I'm currently part of JMC at Fresno State, where I obviously attended my first major event with Jakara, which was Lokar. And thanks to Jess Keith, who's the Fresno organizer, she told me that I should join and it'll be lots of fun, which was difficult for me to say yes, but I'm so glad that I did due to my summer school. Yeah. I mean, it's always, Lakar is always a highlight for so many people in the summertime. I know it's one of my highlights every single summer when, especially going back in person, the last two years where we were online, it wasn't the same, but Kashmir, if you want to, you know, basically the same thing, introduce yourself and kind of give us an insight of to like how you ended up coming to Lakar 2022. First of all, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear okay. you. Yeah, okay, just wanted to make that sure. Um, hi everyone, my name is Kashmin. Um, basically, I've been with Jakara since my freshman year in high school, and I've always heard about Lilkar over the social media, and I was like, what is this, you know? Um, I wanna be part of it, but then, um, you know, it's only for college students. So um, as soon as I was a senior um, in high school, I was like, okay, next year, I'm gonna be a freshman in college, and I am going to join Lilkar. And um, I know with the COVID and all that, we um, there wasn't enough going on. So this was, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I say this for everyone, that this was um, the best weekend that I had because um, I met so many amazing people who um, shared the similar ideas and um, the topic core voices was itself really big, um, something that we really needed to talk about. So um, I just feel like Lilkar is something that um, changes your point of view of how you view something, you know? No, 100%. I, I think, especially because Lilkar is for, like you said yourself, a coll- collegiate, coll- like it's a collegiate conference, so for college um, folks. Um, so you can get a little bit deeper in your conversations because I've been to Nishan as well, which is the high school conference and there it's a little bit more relaxed conversations, but in this spaces, you know, we do a lot of deeper conversations about deeper topics like this, this, uh, this year's topic was core voices and, you know, first of all, like, you know, what does that mean to people and how do you actually voice, like, how do you empower those voices? 
um that's it's something that everybody still struggles to this day and that just doesn't just mean that like you know letting them uh, being equal um this is something we covered at the conference as well it's like also like equity is just as important of being equal you can say that you're equal but what are you doing to actually make that actually a fact and not just saying that for just to say it right um and i'm gonna throw it back to you kashmir and just ask you like what's one one of the takeaways that you had from that can be like from the content from any of the days um what was like one thing that you took away and you still think about like even if you think back now like what's something that stood out to you from that weekend in terms of the content so um i remember we did this um activity it was um gurbani divyakya so um i think that was a big takeaway from for me cuz um i always thought that gurbani whenever we recited it or like found it, find its meaning it has to be like particular right it has to be whatever the dictionary says or the google tells you that that is the meaning of it right but when i was um in the workshops um i know bossam was with me uh, we were in the same group so um everyone had their own their own definitions their own meaning right whatever they thought the um gurbani said but it all rolled back to the same idea you know so i think that was a big takeaway from me so like i now i can just like whenever i'm reading gurbani off of my phone or i'm sitting at the gurdwara sahib i can just like you know see okay so it could be anything you know whatever um i know like okay this word means this this word means that and i can just like join that together and be like okay this is what my guru is trying to tell me exactly and i i think the like the thing that we wanted to say during that workshop as well because i was a facilitator was interpretation because we weren't trying to define it we were we had our we had the definitions of like the literal meaning of each word that was in the gurbani and what we were doing as a workshop was just trying to take the literal meaning of each word and trying to puzzle piece it together for our own interpretation um the reasoning why we did this was because if you go online there's a lot of um websites out there that genderify the gurbani that you're like what you're reading and so we try to and that was one of the lessons we had behind that workshop was how can we go about interpreting gurbani but not putting genders to you know specific wording in it so that was the whole meaning behind it and i think that's like so key because i in my group as well so many different people had different interpretations of what the same like line of gurbani was saying and it was like nobody was wrong because they were all using the same words so it was kind of unique to see how many different interpretations we could get from the same you know lines and then blossom i'm going to ask you the same question that i just asked like what stood out to you from the you know the content side of things it could have been a workshop it could have been a lecture anything that stood out to you from the content side of that weekend well i think the first day of the facilitator workshops definitely stood out to me because that was our chance to finally speak about like the issues we have within our families and in society so it was amazing because we were having non-stop conversations especially kashmir knows like we were talking and talking and talking and i'm just grateful that um i finally had a safe space to speak and realize that i'm not the only one who goes through these things on a daily basis like i related to every single person that was in my group
Yeah, um, I, I know some groups even said that like they they didn't get through the entire workshop because of like, you know, the conversations that they had as like, a group, which is like kind of kind of sucks because like the workshops there, we took so much time to learn the workshops, but also like, you know, that experience won't get anywhere else. And I can say that as a fact, because I've been a part of those that like, you know, that safe space and feeling free to finally speak and say what you really want without any judgment. Because like one of the first things that we say is like, you know, you're in this space, you want to make a safe environment, you don't want to judge anybody, you don't want to bring anybody down. Even if you don't agree with somebody, you know, you don't want to just start causing, you know, you don't want to go at somebody, you don't want to start saying that, oh, you're wrong, I'm right, and stuff like that. You know, you listen, and if you have something to say, you rebuttal it, but in a, you know, peaceful manner. But Thank you, both of you. I didn't even know that both of you guys were in the same group. Like, I just found that out now. And it's, it's really funny because I because I didn't know that at all. And, you know, this can actually be a good thing or a bad thing going into this next like this next question. Um, thinking back to that first workshop, I don't know if you guys as facilitators got this far in the workshop, but one of the things we were talking about in our workshop was about, you know, experiencing patriarchy and what that is. Um, did you guys get to the point where you guys defined what patriarchy was? Um, if so, like, you know, thinking back to what those definition was, have you guys ever seen it? Have you guys experienced it? Might that be in your own family? Might that be outside, like in your friend groups or at, uh, you know, on your campus? Um, Blossom, if you want to start, uh, you can talk about, have you seen patriarchy? Because for me, I didn't really know what the, I knew what the word was. I just didn't know like the literal definition of it until that weekend. And then I was like, so many things make sense now in my head, thinking back to it. Um, Similar, I just wanted to see if the same similar thing was for you as well. Yeah, same here. I did not know like what the actual definition of patriarchy was. I've always been so confused. But ever since Lokar, it, it makes sense for me too, because I'm the first eldest daughter in the family, like out of all my cousins. So um, some of my family members were completely disappointed that, you know, my mom had a daughter and they're like, try again. And they had my little sister and they're like, no, she's a bad omen to the family. Like she needs to try again. And my mom said, no, I am not gonna try again. I don't care if it's a boy or a girl, I'm gonna take care of these kids, which I'm really grateful for Even my dad, like he's happy to have two daughters, but it was just like the extended family. I don't wanna say who specifically, but the extended family and the elder generation were completely not happy. So, Ever since I've been growing up, I feel like I need to be like the elder son of the family, just like my cousins and be just as good as them. And I had this anger like when I was younger and I was never able to speak about it because obviously no one understood and I had no place to speak about it. So I was just really grateful that little Gar like gave me this opportunity and I realized that I'm not alone in this at all. Yeah. And, you know, thank, again, I'm just going to preface this before we continue. Like, thank you guys for, you know, if you guys, whatever you guys are going to share, because this takes a lot of confidence, not only to share where we were in Lilgar, which is a very safe space, because, you know, there's usually we're there in person and, you know, nothing really gets out, but you guys wanting to join, you know, this podcast episode and sharing what you guys feel and, you know, sharing a little bit more personal stuff. Like, just want to say thank you for, you know, being this. And, and I also just want to be, say like, this is one of the reasons why like we started this podcast as a team was to give these the, the, this platform to folks that don't have it before 
Um, and so that's why I just wanted to preference that before we continue. But Kashmir, I'm going to ask you the same question about, you know, patriarchy. Did you know what that was beforehand? If not, like, did things kind of click into place after learning what the definition was? Um, and did things start to make a little bit more sense about how things are run around you in the world? Yeah, I'm actually going to go with what Blossom said. Um, I was really con usually get getting confused with between misogyny and patriarchy. So I was like, because there's like so many words, you know, to define the uh, the discrimination between genders. Um, so I was always like, but then after the workshops, we um, we got more clarity on on the topics and stuff. So, but personally, in my family, like in my close family. I never saw it. Everyone's my brothers and me, we are all equal, right? We my parents divide the work between us equally. They don't see, oh, she's a firstborn and all that, right? So there's nothing like that. But I have seen where uh in my relatives or like friends or my parents' friend circle where the men of the family have uh, more power than than the women, you know. So men are the, making all the decisions and the women are just like following being like okay whatever he says that's fine so when i when i started um when i was at the workshop i learned the meanings and so i was like all those things reeling back okay so that's what that man was doing so the the auntie that i know she was you know like but she's just under so much pressure okay so that's what what was happening to her you know that those are the reasons why she's not able to speak up and then there's all this um rage and anger in it in there like why is this happening like what's even the point you know like because um both because in especially in america both men and women they both work right Our, both parents are working they're doing day and night jobs so why is only the men of the house gets to make the decisions and not the women you know so those i'm i'm still like seeing i'm still like trying to figure out what all those things still mean in our culture so but it's just at this point it just seems also pointless like why that's so stupid you know like men men is making all the decisions and the woman is just sitting there and um you know like listening to it and being like okay moving her head okay i agree with you you know whether if it doesn't matter if she agrees or does not agree you know so that's uh it's it's there so we're everyone is still like figuring it out trying to explore that's what i'm gonna say yeah yeah no, I, I, and I agree 100%. And I think, you know, both of you guys have, like said, it's, it's again, to me, it kind of, it's still, because as a facilitator, I, I pose the same question to my entire group that of like eight or nine folks. And like, none of their, like, what they all shared was like nothing the same, like all their experiences were different, but they all had the same, like, theme or like the same redundancy behind them of not being equal or not being like statusly equal or in positions of, you know, conversations like Kushmin, you just, you know, mentioned not being able to have a voice in decisions that are being made about the house in total. And you, you know, you share something that's very actually something that even to this day, I know of in my family as well, where like having daughters over and over again is seen like as a bad thing. Like you even said, like your mom would say, they call it a bad omen. Like she just had, you know, she can't have a son, which I don't understand why. <laughs> it's it's very like, like Kushman, you said, it's very like a weird way of thinking about things. But, and then when you, the thing is like when you challenge or you ask why, 
you're always met with like right or like there's no actual there's no actual reasoning behind it or logical reasoning behind it it's just a like a defense mechanism at some times um but thank you both for sharing that as well um i just wanted to say like I think the same workshop we at, we started off or your facilitators sh should have started off with asking you guys like, who's your guys' core inspiration? Um, I know in our, um, in our group, we had, a, we had a split of people where seven, I think it was seven folks named their core inspiration to be somebody of their family uh, or somebody that they're related to, to two people not. Um, and this is not to like, you know, diverge you guys from what you guys are going to say, but I think that's something that was highlighted to me from our workshop. Uh, but if you guys wanted to dive into your guys' core inspiration, and then I can piggyback on that, what I want to say after that, I mean, Kushmin, if you want to start first, like who's, who's a core that inspires you? Um, it could be anybody that's related to you or outside your relationship, whoever you choose that you want to pick with. Um, that's actually a very <laughs> difficult question at this point because <laughs> after the after the weekend there were a lot of cores coming to my mind you know who like okay that was also my inspiration that was also my inspiration but somebody that I said at the workshop was my my naniji she um she suffered a lot she's yeah. um she's been through a lot but she stood strong against um all those who said anything to her so um, she is she, even till like till today whenever I talk to her there's just something about her voice that's always calming and encouraging so it's like whenever she just like generally she's talking like how are you or how's your day been or how's your college going there's just something like so strong in her voice that's just like telling me like hey you can do this you know like whatever obstacle you have you can just like go through it cross over it so um I, that's why I said like she's she's one of my um, inspirations, core inspirations especially. So, uh, but there are many other like my cousins, my my mom especially, um, who's been through a lot, and then um, all my my aunties that I see around me who are who are struggling or who are teaching at the Punjabi school. They are also my inspiration, and all the facilitators at Jakara Movement. They those ladies are my big inspiration, honestly. Um, because um, I think they're doing an exceptional job, uh, yeah, for the community and for the youth. Yeah. And then Blossom, you as well. Um, I agree with uh, Kashmin and all the Jakara cores out there. Like, they definitely work hard to make us um, speak out and use our voices. But personally, my number one core inspiration is my mom, of course, because she's been through a lot. I can't imagine like dealing through that, like personally, because she came to America, married my dad, and like a year later, her mom died. And a couple of years later, her dad died and she wasn't able to see them. And especially for being the younger like son of the family for my dad and like the younger side, we really didn't get much compared to the other brothers. So she had to do all the cooking, taking care of all my cousins when we all used to live in the house. Uh, she basically babysat everyone and it was just very difficult for her. Even today, she deals with a lot, but she's a strong woman because she speaks out. Like even if my grandpa says something, she will speak out without a doubt. And that's what gives me the courage to also use my voice 
even though I do get shut down by some other male family members, I am not afraid. Even if they call me crazy, I'm not afraid. <laughs> uh, it's actually, so I, I was going to like, some in the first part, um, somebody had shared saying that like, you know, speaking out is so is like, is just like that takes a lot of confidence because in the back of your head, you like, you think like, oh, I'm going to get shut down or something. Someone's going to say this to me. But like just taking those steps and voicing yourself is very important. And I'm, I'm glad that you also brought that up. That's like a running thing that, you know, have now both parts have kind of highlighted is like, even if you think that some like, even if you already know that you're going to get like shut down from somewhere, like still voicing your opinion still matters. Like you just having a voice matters just as much as, you know, you shutting yourself down. Like that's the last thing you want to do is like, you know, without even anybody shutting you down, you shut yourself down. And um, but I wanted to transition back to this question. I asked this because um, even thinking back to Amrititi's lecture about um, the Gather Party, and at first, you know, we were learning a lot of history about the Gather Party, and then at the end, we, you know, uh, Amrititi kind of gave two examples of two cores that were also very, you know, prominent in in the movement. Um, but they don't be, they're not recognized as how the, the men of the other party are recognized. And I wanted to ask you, you, both of you of like, why do you guys think that kind of is like, what is it that in our community or just like general wise, why is it that the gores in history kind of get put to the side and it's the men kind of high, like, I know we can talk about patriarchy, but like for you, like, what is your guys' first impressions about that? Like, why did, why is it that? Um, Blossom, if you want to start, you can start about like, why is it that the gores in our history, not just those that are related to us, kind of get pushed aside. And that's why, that's why I think that, you know, it's kind of hard for folks to kind of think of an inspiration that's not somebody related to them, because there's not, we've not taught anybody those, you know, that's my take on it personally. Um, I recently uh, learned a lot about uh, influential cores. So I don't know much about many of like, I'm still learning, but I feel like back in the day, like when we look at our history, men were usually like the warriors, I guess, and the mothers obviously are taking care of the kids. And I, it's just, I don't know. I honestly can't have an answer for that. <laughs> no, I, I, it is a very like difficult question. Um, and for me, it's like, I also don't know where to begin because there is nowhere you can begin. I can just think of like, the only thing I can think of is like every single book, every single like Sunday school, Punjabi school that I went to or what, there was always stories that highlighted men's stories and journeys. That's why to me, I've always thought like there's, there just haven't been the sharing of those stories. So nobody's going to be obviously thinking of those folks because to us, they were never taught. And because I mean, if you have something, you know, you want to add to that point, um, going back to like, why do you think that is? Um, just what you said about the history of um, when we study, there's always stories about men. Um, it just came to my mind, like, it can't be that there weren't any rebellious women back in the day. It, I, 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 I don't believe that. There has to be at least one or like at least a group of women who were um, who were fighting and who were, um, you know, like just saying things out, who were um, shutting people down and um, claiming their voices. 
but they're we just don't know about them because they nobody writes about them you know because like i think um it was professor amrit that said it's histories written by men for men um so i think that's where it kind of gets um the woman's voice get lost um even like not just our cores like anywhere in the history we see history books usually there's a name it's always a man right it's barely a, a woman or a lady um and the stories are about these soldiers or um the explorers inventors discoverers they're all men there's um there are women there are it's not like there aren't any in in science and mathematics in every field right but it's just that we don't know their names because our our thinking is just that oh whatever is being taught to us that is all there is there's nothing more beyond this so i think that at that point we just don't search on that topic anymore or we just don't look for more people and we don't find more female voices uh, being said in that subject so but yeah it's a very broad topic where we can't really say anything about it you know like who knows what happened in the past right it's just like whatever is written in the books we are we are just saying that so and we're still you know searching exploring and discovering so um, I'm hoping there's a whole lot more that we don't know yet, and um, it's it's gonna surprise us when we learn more. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that was kind of the point that I wanted to make um, because Professor Amrith, um, they had a presentation, and they said that in the books and all the writing that they had, there was no mention of the two cores that they presented to us that were part of the Gather Party and the government movement. But they, they said that the way they got to know these scores were through oral history. She, she talked to, you know, families. She talked to folks that were related or folks that were around the time or they, they've heard stories from that time. And that was the only reason why they even know who, you know, those two cores were that they presented to us and shared with us. Um, it was because of the oral history that they had listened to because there was no books about them. There was no writing about them. Um, and that goes to your point, Kashmir, is like, as we keep going, more of these scores are going to pop up through this oral history, but we have to kind of go our, out of our way as well to kind of search for those. Like, they're not going to pop up themselves. Like, you know, Professor Umrith, she went out there and she really was looking for these, you know, what the, these two cores that she was looking for other things. And so that's why, you know, she was able to find them. Um, us just sitting around is not going to be able to do it. Um, but I just wanted to move on quickly to kind of one of my, you know, last questions that I have. Um, thinking back to like the like the lectures, I know we've we've we dove diet like dove into the, the workshops a lot. Thinking about the lectures, um, what was something that kind of stood out to you, you all, uh, both of you, um, from either any of the lectures? Uh, it could be the first lecture that just Keith. Uh, that they did about the history of cores or, you know, kind of giving an overview of the entire thing. It could be um, with, I think it was Navdeep Banji the second time, uh, the second day and her, or the last one, of course, with, was with Professor Amrit. Any of those lectures, like what's something that stood out to you or kind of like took you by surprise? Because for me, it was like me going to the Lagar, like hearing those lectures or what kind of 
make my head kind of so that's what sticks with me the most because those are like things I've never ever have known about before this is like my first time knowing about these things so it was kind of cool for me to realize that there were these two cores that were very fundamental in the Gather Party and the Gather Movement that I had never heard about before. Because um, I mean, you can start and you know, just tell us one thing that you took away from any of the lectures, or still something that like, kind of in the moment you kind of were like, I would want to learn more about that. Um, so I'm just gonna say all the lectures were really um, inspiring. <laughs> yes. So there's nothing like yes. we took away from all the lectures. But yes. yeah, definitely the um, Professor Amrit, the lecture she gave, it was. Um, it was shocking that we don't know about these people, you know, and um, these two cores that did so much for the for the sitcom for the community. And I was like, why am I hearing about this right now? You know, because um, I grew up listening to the um, stories of um, Gadda Party, the independence of India, and all all those um, stories that our grandparents tell us, you know. So I never came across both of their names. So. I'm just there, like sitting there. Okay, if there's two of these, there has to be more, you know. So it's not possible. Like there were these two. Who who else could be there? That some, she could be someone's wife, someone's sister, someone's daughter, um, involved um, helping with the movements and um, helping like um, preach about the word and spreading the word about their newspaper about their their movement about what they're doing so i think that was a big takeaway that um like you said sitting up here it's not gonna get anything done you know you have to get around ask questions make people like tell the oral stories because that's the only thing we have even though oral oral stories are something that we say are not credible because word of mouth changes every time you tell someone something so but still we somehow we need to get to the root of it and figure out like why is it that oral story we, why we don't believe oral stories when all of them are originated from the same source and, and you have to start from somewhere you know the oral stories are a start um there's probably like that just to discredit those from right off the bat that like that's not fair because there's those stories are being told for a reason. Nobody's just making up that story to make it up, you know. And then Blossom, I'm gonna throw the same question to you. Out of any of the lectures that we had at Little Guard, like what's something that in the moment you kind of were took back by, or like kind of you know was like, oh, it took you like a little bit to like realize, or kind of stumped you for a little while. I know for my group, we had a couple of folks saying that. The first introduction lecture where just Keith had, you know, shown a bunch of pictures of different core cores that we've never like, I know, like a couple of people in our group were like, they've never even heard those names. So that was something that like, I know I could immediately saw seen for myself, but also from like other people in my group But Blossom just to like, you know, ask you from the lectures, what was something that you took away? Um, picking off of Kashmir, I think Professor Diol's um, and speech was very interesting because, okay, this is biased, but she was actually my professor uh, this last previous semester. So most of this um, information that she uh, spoke about at the lecture was actually repetitive, but I'm glad it was because I got to remember all the stuff that I learned from her previously. And thanks to her, I'm now minoring in Asian American studies. 
And I'm just surprised on how like she got into this field of like trying to figure out our history just from like all these papers and everything that she found in what like her basement of her house or something, right? And it's just like, it was so inspiring to me how like she's so dedicated to this work. No, I, I agree. Like, I think just not, I, I want to just step back and say as well, like her, like Professor Diol, um, she herself is a core to inspire from as well. Like what she's doing is not something that's considered normal by our community, right? Diving, like you would think it's a good thing that you find a job that is going to deep dive into your own history and kind of uncover things that we don't even know about ourselves. But like people are just like I know like she even shared as there as well like people are questioning her like I like what are you doing like and like the papers that you just mentioned was you know they found in the, this like you know this room that they you know broke into finally one day at their house that they had bought and and she found papers that originated back to when the Gather Party was active all the way back in like the early 1900s um, and mid 1900s as well but like she found these documents and even her mom and like was like oh and then it's had a little like why are you keeping these but like she really connected with those and because of her connection to that she went on to you know research more like what are these papers where are they from and then she even researched even a step further and she was like who who else was from around that time and she you know as much as she's found out there's she, she also left off her lecture saying that there's so much more to find and then she's going to be committed to like, you know, finding more. And so that's why I just want to say as much as, you know, her presentation about the two cores that she gave that day was very meaningful. Her herself, um, I don't know, I'm hoping if she one day she listens to this or not, but I just want to say like you yourself is also like, uh, you're also an inspiration because I know so many people that I talk into, like, I'm like, you know, what's something that you remember from Lagar? They're like that lecture. So that's just, you know, that that just makes me also think like, okay, that's amazing because some people are taking something away that was very like a lecture. It was like a one hour lecture and people are taking that to be their, like, the best moment of their weekend. Um, but I just want to kind of start wrapping up a little bit because we are, you know, because of the first part and the second part, I wish we could keep like, I wish we could keep talking for hours and hours. But um, I I just want to say like, Thank you to both of you for joining again. And I just want to leave the open space a little bit here. If you guys have anything else to say, kind of wrap up thoughts, you know, thank yous to anybody from the car or anything like that. You know, this is yours time. Either of you, if you want to go first, don't um, just, this is yours time to kind of say anything you guys want, want to say. I feel like I could go first because I know Krishni <laughs> has lots to say. <laughs> <laughs> But I just want to thank everyone who attended, not only the volunteers, facilitators, but even like the participants. Like, I'm so grateful that I met everyone there. I try to make as many friends as possible. It's just amazing to see a whole new environment from like where I'm from and just being able to speak out and use your voice without anyone judging you. I'm just really grateful for that. Thank you for you coming as well and participating as well. Thank you yourself as well. And Kushmin. Um, yeah, just what Blossom said, thank you to everyone. And especially, um, I know all, a lot of people have thanked the boys 
the men that were at Lalkar, they were all so supportive, understanding, and um, yeah, the judgment-free environment that I um, I got to be in for those um, three, three, four days, it was amazing, you know, like saying, because um, I'm a kind of person who who says whatever is in her mind and her heart, and I'll just like blabber it out, and then I'll think about it after two hours later being man I said that um but that was something I'm like okay whatever I said that was straight out of my heart and no one is here judging me and that's true no one um no one was like hey you said that you shouldn't have said that you know so that was something um because that's something that you hear a lot in the outer community we've been like hey you said that you shouldn't have said that you know that's uh you heard someone's feelings and all that and I'm so uh, it's just that, um, I don't know, it's just, there's something about J Jakara movement that's, uh, I don't know, that's free, that just makes you like, you know, be like, okay, but this is my moment, this is, this is, these are my people, you know, they understand me and all that, and um, there's just, there's so much more to there's a lot to say but um again yeah but like Blossom said I have so much to say but um I'm actually just exploring all those questions myself first so I'm not really sure if I say anything right now it would be like um people like someone coming back to me and being like you said that that's you know like it's something that's already written and you shouldn't have said that without you know searching it so um because there were some questions I said at Lulkar at the end of our group presentation about the marriage rituals and the llama and all that. So I'm, I'm myself um, still like looking into answers for it. Still, um, I talked with my facilitators and um, I got like a little bit in, deep into it, like how all this happens, why all these things happens, the 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 wedding part of our community, of our um, of our panth, you know, the sitcom, the how the um the llama happens the via the cars and all that how all these things happen so i'm so like um i'm myself like asking everyone about it you know taking people's view in so i'm not um i don't think i'm really willing to like put these things out there yet but maybe um i'm hoping i can get back to you on this um, <laughs> no i it's i i just want to say like it's yeah. you know someday if you want to come back, we can yeah. revisit this topic, you know, and revisit the, this moment right here in this particular time period. And we can, you know, once you kind of feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, feel free, always message me and we can always make it come back happen and have, you know, make it work. But I just want to say, like, highlight what you just said as well. Like, we say a lot of things in the moment at Lulukar that, you know, we like, you know, why is this this? Why is this? Why? But like, you have to go and kind of find those answers on your on your own time as well. Like you can't just throw out the questions and then like think that you like now you just throw out the question and that's it. You need to go looking for these answers. And I'm like, I'm very happy that you like Kashmir yourself, you are kind of already starting to think like, OK, where can I kind of find these answers? Who can I talk to to kind of find these answers before I go up, like, you know, move on? And that's something that I want to pose to, you know, all folks that came to Lulkar that might be listening to this is like, you know, do your own research when you go home. Lulkar doesn't stop that weekend. It does not stop the Monday that we all left or the Sunday if you left early, right? It continues. 
that is why we're here doing this episode today. Is like Lalikar still keeps going, even if like the days have ended of the weekend. That conversations, those 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 topics, those themes, those questions that were posed, and you know you're still thinking about, those still continue to this day. Don't just forget them, forget about all of these things. It's on your like it's you take this time of your own to kind of answer some of those questions. Keep thinking about those topics. Share those topics with other folks as well. You know, take the conversation to folks that weren't at the car. See what they have to say. See what they have to learn. Right. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to leave off with that. And just say again that this is one of our longest episodes. So if you're still listening, thank you very much. If you've gotten this far, um, please, if you're on the YouTube, please subscribe and hit the like button on this video. It helps us, you know, with support. We can't thank you enough. And last week we released an episode about the CAD program. If you still haven't watched about that, it deals with high schoolers and this program that you got to launch last, uh, last year that revolves around drug abuse and drug addiction in high schoolers and also in the Punjabi community. Um, it helps high schoolers kind of get educated and teach others as well. And so if you want more information or you, that things like that intrigues you, go and listen to that episode. But other than that, I just want to say thank you to you two again. Thank you to all the facilitators, all the volunteers, and you know the staff for making an amazing weekend for us. Uh, that was Local Art 2022. And that's basically a wrap on it. Um, with that, I'll say, Wai Uji Ka Khalsa, Wai Uji Ki Fateh.